With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for the legendary law and order stories of the Wild West. This podcast features a forensic psychologist that looks at the history of the most infamous and famous outlaws and cowboys of the Wild West. So sit back, partner, and take a listen. Welcome back, everybody. We have another great story today. And this is the King of the Cowboys, or at least some say the original. Because if you look online, you'll probably find a lot of articles or results showing Roy Rogers as the King of the Cowboys. But I think this particular individual by the name of William Levy Buck Taylor might have something to say about it. So who is William Levi Buck Taylor? He's a Texas-born, real-live, riding, roping cow puncher who grew up in the life and whose talents were so prodigious they pushed him to the very heights of stardom and helped forever change how the public would view a cowboy. Buck Taylor, as is better known to history, was born in a small east town in Texas called Fredericksburg, located in Gillespie County. They moved around Texas some, and his father fought several times to protect his homeland. William Cody, in his book, Buffalo Bill's Wild West, wrote that Buck Taylor family fought for its Texas independence with Crockett and Colonel Travis at the Alamo. By the time Buck was born, only he, his father, and a young brother were the sole surviving males of the family. He was still a child when his dad joined the newly formed cavalry and died in one of its early engagements, almost certainly in 1863. Two years later, Buck endured the worst tragedy possible for a child when he was law, when he was orphaned after losing his mother. He then fell under the protective wing of an uncle who owned a large ranch on the rolling Texas plains. There, Buck grew up in the hard life of a cowpuncher. He learned the tricks, the trades... The hard work all the while growing stronger and more accomplished. Well, Buck Taylor ended up learning the tricks, the trades, and the hard work. Millions of boys growing up decades later would have given almost anything to find themselves in the position Buck Taylor was. He was thriving. He could ride like the wind, throw a lasso with uncanny precision, understood how to manage a herd, could bust nearly any bronco he wanted. That may sound like a funny word, but it is no small compliment when they say he had general cow sense. Buck himself was quoted as saying, I was dependent on myself at an age when ordinary children are still in the nursery. There's only one thing to do, which was to be a cowpuncher. By the time I was 14, I was able to ride and rope with some of the best of them and was known around our area as the best cowpuncher of my age, end quote. He would soon take supervisory roles such as the boss of the outfit and lead herds along the Chelsea Trail with his brother James Baxter Taylor. Those trips would take him to Nebraska, where his skills and remarkable dexterity earned the attention of Major Frank North and Buffalo Bill. And they secured his services for several reasons on their ranch. Uh, look, later on, the scouts were disbanded. He was going to work with the Major North and the leader of the Pawnee Scouts. He became one of their leaders for the U.S. Army. And the Scots were disbanded that year, and Cody proposed a partnership with Frank North, Major North, 
and his brother Luther to become cattlemen. Cody's first encounter with the Taylor brothers was when they brought a herd up the trail for Luther, who swore up and down that Bax, not Buck, Bax was the brother of Buck Taylor, was the best Bronco Buster he had ever encountered. Turns out good horsemanship ran in the family. Even the older sister was pretty darn good. So, it was on the Cody Ranch he also learned to read and write and earned an infamous reputation to down large amounts of biscuits, once having ate supposedly 24 in one sitting. When the Buffalo Bill Wild West show opened on May 19, 1883, Buck was a shoe-in to appear in the show. He had already been auditioning for Cody for several years by way of his performance, but his talents and skills on the range were only part of his appeal. You see, Buck Taylor was about 6'3", and depending on what you read, was an opposing figure with the average when the average cowboy stood about only 5'8". In addition to skills he had honed nearly his entire life, Buck was well known to pick up his head off the ground at a full gallop. If that wasn't enough to impress the crowd, he would often follow it up by retrieving his handkerchief or glove in the same manner. He never failed to entertain the crowd, that's for sure. He had a personality that Cody describes as a fine representative of his class, amiable as a child. Features Cody never failed to publicize, billing him as the king of the cowboys. At that point in American history, the point of Buffalo Bill Wild West shows, cowboys were viewed quite differently than they are today. They were considered dirty, gritty, unmannered, uncultured, and dangerous men. Even worse, they were sometimes synonymous with outlaws. Remember the cowboy outlaws, the armed desperados, as President Chester Author described them once as? As a violent faction disturbing the peace in Arizona. We talked about that with Tombstone. There were some writers who were making heroes of scouts and cavalrymen at that time, but the cowboy remained the depraved prairie drifter. Thankfully, Cody's show was already doing its part to counter that image of the cowboy. The Staten Island venue for Buffalo Bill's Wild West show held 35,000 people with two performances a day. In later years, it was also played prominently outside the 1893 Columbian Exposition on the Midway, where he would, this is Buck Taylor, would skim from the over 26 million visitors the World's Fair would attract during its six-month run. That's a lot. 130 years ago to get 26 million visitors, that's 4 million a month. Cody, ever the marketer, had seen his own stories enjoy immense popularity. What if he took the newfound popularity of the Cowboys in his show and gave the people what they wanted? He already increased their role in his shows with positive results. So what was next? Why not take the next step? That role fell to the most likely choice, Buck Taylor. In 1887, Cody's promoter and friend, Prentice, who had produced a nearly ceaseless stream of stories on Buffalo Bill, published the first dime novels about Buck Taylor, which was grandly entitled Buck Taylor, King of the Cowboys. He would go on to write six more on the King of the Cowboys, and in 1887 it was arguably the peak of Taylor's career. His novels had been released, and he was currently on tour with the Wild West Show in Europe. In fact, Queen Victoria herself came to enjoy a show with the public during her jubilee of that year. It marked the first time she had attended a show in public since the death of Prince Albert 25 years before. Author and historian R.L. Wilson adds further, the Queen paid homage to the American flag during the performance, the first time a British sovereign had done so since the beginning of the Republic. Unfortunately, Buck Taylor broke a leg or hip during a performance that year, allegedly during a quadrille when a horse collided with his leg while on horseback. If there was more of a tragic story, that might be the end of Buck's career, but it would take more than a busted leg to stop this cowboy. He would reappear in the show and stay with it until about 1890 when he would leave for reasons that appear to be undocumented in history. Whatever it was, Taylor moved to Wyoming and worked on a ranch with his brother Bax before the two broke off and started one of their own in the town of Rongus near Long Creek. Even there, he never stepped completely away from show business. 
In an unusual twist to any biography, though, while living in Rongus, his death was incorrectly reported by the Fort Worth Gazette on March 23rd of 1892. It was said he had been shot in a fight and the two other men had been stabbed. And none of that had been true. What was truly newsworthy that year was that Buck had started appearing in shows again. He also found some time to meet a young lady who eventually became his wife. One of the shows Buck joined was the Wyoming Wild West, a curious name for a show located on the East Coast. The show had a nasty habit of allowing shell game operators to follow the show and operate outside of which it caused no shortage of problems. In New Jersey, swindled college students disrupted and eventually broke up the show. A lot of problems. The similar complaints arose from a show in Maine and in Quebec. Unfortunately, Buck Tyler's Wild West was one of no fewer than 240 other Western shows that would ultimately attempt to replicate the success of Cody's legendary show. Buck's foray into the business would be a flop. And by 1987, he found himself briefly working in California before moving to Valley Forge. The rest of Buck's life was actually quiet, given how storied and exciting it had been to that point. The sole occurrence in Buck's life that is documented is that he had his identity stolen by an imposter by the name of Barry F. Tatum, pretending to be Buck to the point where he gave a political speech endorsing Teddy Roosevelt. Sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. Buck Taylor would not pass away for another 24 years after the supposed death. He died at the age of 67 in Downington, Pennsylvania, still living on a ranch, albeit far from the American West he loved so dearly. While never taking part in the Cowboys' rise to fame in the movies, Buck was one of the earliest faces of Cowboys that the public could admire and embrace as a hero. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.